You are on today, yeah. Good morning and welcome to your Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon and I'm here with my lovely producer. Are you lovely? Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Lou Blasey. But I'm not a guru. Well, I never said you were a guru. I said you were lovely. She told me you were a guru. <laughs> she introduced me to somebody uh, over the weekend. Oh, that's her right. website I guy. Did. I did call you a guru. And he yes, called us I both did. lovely, but she called him a guru, which <sighs> kind of left me alone. Right. Oh, sorry. Well, you know, it's different. And the other voice that we're hearing from is my guest this morning, who's also lovely and is a guru, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Michael Calhoun. He's here with um, his Calhoun Chiropractic, and we're going to talk today a little bit about, um, or a lot about, uh, chiropractic care as uh, a great way to take care of your health and wellness and have a good life, and also how it impacts mental health and other things that go along with the primary diagnosis in mental health, like uh, diabetes, neuropathy, yep. uh, things like I've had in the past with just, you know, running injuries and keeping my sanity so I can keep running. Yeah, I'm a huge so, fan. And what? I'm a huge fan of chiropractic. Uh, yes. yes. And and as, as everyone should be, even though it's got um, an interesting... Uh, background about not being always everyone's favorite because it's kind of got that old school like back in the 70s and 80s I remember when I was coming up through gymnastics and yeah. people would look at me and my parents and be like that's crazy why would you you know because everyone's like you go and crack your back and you go that's it's all that misnomer stuff of the yeah. old school that it's you know bad for your back and bad for it's, but it's that's just not, lack of understanding well right it's not and, and it's, that's not what it is and there's a lot of there's been a, been a lot of history of the AMA and chiropractic not necessarily getting along very well. Right. Um, <laughs> Shocking. <yeah>. Shocking. The <laughs> medical industry a, not a getting along. A, a bit of a turf war there between who, who actually is going to acquire the patients. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, so that's that's a very similar thing that I have an issue with in terms of like you know the psych the psych field versus the regular AMA. You know the medical field versus psych is that you know the same kind of thing is that you know if you don't go the medical route then. That's really not the route you should go because people are mainstreamed into socialized medicine of right. being this is the way you should go. But alternative medicine is such a big thing, and I don't even like calling it alternative medicine now because it's really not alternative medicine. It's just it's, it's alternative a, to medicine. It's an alternative to medicine, yeah. and that's a better way I think of looking at it because it's it's a way of getting away from just using medication and pills and elixirs and potions to yep. make something better or to add on over and over and over again. So everyone that listens to this show knows that I'm holistic and I'm natural and last-ditch effort is always going to, you know, you can go to the medication if need be because some people do need medication to help assist. But right. when it's something else that's going on, there's 5 million other different things. And although that's an exaggeration, there are 5 million other things that you can try that yeah. if you're actually willing... And not working at instant gratification, as we talk about all the time, right. that if you're willing to put some of the work in, then it will turn around by using something like chiropractic care. So Dr. Calhoun has a very illustrious career of of doing chiropractic. Illustrious. <laughs> okay. See, right, guru, we'll illustrious. I like the big words, you know. Yep. Um, so he seems surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and... He's treated lots of different athletes. He, and I mean, predominantly your practice is it's mostly sports. It's sports, sports injuries. So sports injuries, and I, and of course, that's one of the reasons why I know him. And he has a long history in my life, but I didn't even know him before I knew him. So he knows my husband really well. They were they lived down in Annapolis, Maryland, together thirty years plus back. And I just had not met, together. But no, not together. <laughs> <laughs> not together in the same place. So they knew each other back then, and then I met. Uh, Mike about 
six and a half years ago, yeah, probably. Like, like right. Like, and, and I met him under the circumstances that he fixed me. Yeah. So, 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 so my husband had said, you know, I have this friend that I know is coming up here and he's doing his practice here. And I was running the Boston Marathon for the first time and I got eight weeks out and Things went better. I, the wheels were coming <laughs> off the bus. Yep. They were not going well. And as my last ditch effort, because I was not willing to do other things, I said, okay, you better call him because I think I need to see him. And he did this amazing, very painful, but very amazing technique. He has this machine called the ARP wave. Yep. And um, it made me scream and cry at the same time. It was at the same time, right? It was like a really loud scream. <laughs> it was ugly <laughs> So it's this really cool machine that on its really nice relaxing moments, you don't feel it, but it does this really nice massagey thing through neurological yep. rewiring of your body. And then when it's not doing that, it makes you jump to the ceiling and, you know, and uh, I'll let him explain it. But it works yeah. really well because it fixed my neurological pathways that were sending a signal that was not correct to my um, shin and Achilles. And I was having a shin, I ended up having a shin fracture two years later that was in the making that I refused to stop running on, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but he fixed it so I could run the first Boston Marathon. And that was ugly as well because it was just enough of a fix to get me to be able to run it through. But Well, that was a tough marathon too. Yeah. <laughs> That was a tough weather marathon. That was a tough marathon all the oh, way around. I know, it was. So yeah. Um, yeah. so could so, you tell us a little bit about the ARP wave or any of those little techniques that yeah, you Yeah, so, you know, because I deal with primarily athletes, the thing that we try to actually we do is have different options. So there's lots of tools that are available that can be used other than just the chiropractic adjustments, which don't get me wrong, it's probably the most powerful tool we have, but sometimes people have problems with the way they're moving. Right. And if they come in with an injury and it's causing them to move differently, then until you fix the way they move, their injury isn't going to actually heal. And that's when you have to do things. And you can do things like corrective exercises, which can be super effective, but your change in a movement pattern is gonna be created from repetition and intensity. And the ARP wave makes it possible to create both at the same time by using an electrical current to create a stimulation of the muscles that's forcing you to accommodate the way you're standing and moving so you move correctly even though it's kind of forcing you out of balance because it's right on the areas where the problem is and at the same time you're moving correctly so you're getting both repetition and intensity because it's, it's pulsating at the muscles at 500 times a second which is faster than your brain can process and it's doing it at an intensity that, as you're screaming and crying, Roots, <laughs> is at your maximum intensity capacity. So this is something that really hits home with athletes because you can literally change the way someone moves very quickly. Right. This sounds suspiciously like electroshock therapy. Well, it, 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 well, it's not on the brain. <laughs> yeah. But you're certainly sending messages to the brain yeah. to say, fix the way you move, dummy, you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting experience to watch how rapidly you can change it. We took somebody that's actually had a, a significant hamstring um, tear and got him back on a football field as a college football player within seven days. Wow. Which is on almost a tear. Of. And that's, you know, I can't honestly say everybody's going to have that kind of experience, but I can say every time we've used it, you can get somebody to heal faster than you would actually think they could be able to heal. 
And okay. so it's, it's very, very effective for that kind of thing. And it's a great tool. And it's just one of the tools we have. My experience in chiropractic involved muscle stimulation a lot, which is God's gift to the planet, I think. <laughs> I differentiate the two. It sounds like this happens while you're actually doing an activity as opposed to laying down. Right. So, yeah. so electrical stimulation comes in a lot of different forms. So there are many different waveforms and different styles of electrical stimulation. The most of the studies on the most effective tools in electrical stimulation were using a low volt current, which that particular current level can be super intense, and the stronger the current is, the higher the resistance goes. And that doesn't mean a lot to most people, but what it does mean is if you're the patient having it done, it means it's going to burn your skin because the skin resistance goes up and it creates more, more impedance of the current, and so suddenly you start getting injuries from it. So if you've been to PT for, say, an ACL injury and they were doing low-volt stimulation on your quadricep to keep you from losing muscle mass, which is kind of the closest thing you can give you to that's similar, they would be putting that on there, but they have a whole, whole bunch of pads on there to create stimulation in the muscle without burning you because it's so hard to turn it up high. Yeah. The ARP wave has a carrier wave plus a low-volt wave that's pulsating with a different, different style of waveform, so there's no resistance in the skin. That barrier is already broken by a microcurrent at the mm -hmm. same time, so there's no issue with that. So it's not creating pain when, or injury to the skin surface. So you can turn this thing way up. Oh. Hence yeah. the screaming yeah. and the crying. And with it, with, it, with it way up and pulsing rapidly, your body starts to accommodate to that. So you can, if you have healthy tissue, actually have this on you, have it pulsating at you know, up to 100 on the, on the, the machine's dial and not actually be actually creating a spasm or contraction. Yeah because your body's responding as quickly as it's supposed to be, and that's appropriate neurologic responsing. But if you have an issue, that's not going to go in. So you're gonna have issues with movement. And the way you fix the patterns, again, repetition and, 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 and in, in correct movement pattern is gonna change the way you move. And so you have the move while the stim is on there. Hmm. So it's a very different experience, so but it, it is very cool. And so let me clarify that it's not that it hurts you, like it doesn't hurt, it makes me scream and cry even though I'm being funny about it, that it's not because it's hurting you on surface, it's that when you're doing the the, the actual the stimulation and then you're doing the movement pattern change during it, it's, it's intense. It's super intense, and it's I can't describe yeah. it. So it's just you know scream and cry because that makes it easier <laughs> when it's going up the dial. I never made it to a hundred. No, most people don't. I I was. Some some people do, but most people don't. And it's yeah. it's yeah. It, it you know a hundred is as, as high as it goes. So you wouldn't imagine a lot of people are going to be at a hundred. Um, <laughs> but and you don't have to get to a hundred to fix the movement pattern. But optimally, and a lot of times when you're dealing with a a high level athlete that's under you know significant force right. loads like a you know, football player or somebody doing sprinting or something where the force loads are enormous instantaneously those people you're going to usually be pushing as far as they can go right. and so yes it's going to be you know it's you know it's going to be as much as you can tolerate and so well so that's the thing so the i'll kidding aside the the way that it helped improve and I've seen it improve other people in is that you know the neurological pattern and how it relates to like when I do behavioral health is it switches the neurological pattern around so that you have a better either mindset if it's working on something or you have a better way of moving that makes your body healthier so when you were doing it with me it was it made it easier like if I did hill training or something like that I wasn't then compensating the way I had been that was giving me the shin issue and the Achilles issue because it was retraining my, my body to go away from compensating. Changing to strength, your movement to, to strengthen it. So that's something that, 
you know, you know, when you do therapy like I do, my I don't have electro stim to do that unless we do ECT to move the brain around. So it's it's you know CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is a similar type of thing without electrodes right. to get you to move. It's the same movement pattern because you're always trying to move the neurology of the brain patterns around to get a better result, and that's how the complement of doing what. Dr. Calhoun does with what I do is like it's and we work together a lot on with clients on these yep. things because I'm changing the brain pattern in a different way is he's changing a brain pattern and they complement each other so we have better success like that that's why we work together on that um, but it's similar in that way so he's just using that as an outside technique um, but when you're not using that technique uh, to move off that subject for a second you're using the other techniques that are kind of more traditional right yep. so sure. just the adjustment sure. which the adjustment people, and you know exercises to improve core strength and stability and mobility and you know you basically have to get to the root of the problem and so uh, kind of one of the more unique things is when I actually examine a patient I allow almost between 45 minutes and an hour to do an exam which is kind of unusual because if you've been to an orthopedist in the past 20 years you were in there for five minutes and they walked in they said this is the problem and walked out and they never may or may not have actually gotten to the root of why the problem started and that's usually the most important thing to figure out. Right, so you're so. taking the time, so there's there's the good side of that, you're taking the time with the client, the patient, and you're finding out really what's causing it versus just doing the quick fix right. band-aid, which is what we're all used to, or we're used to that fact that I get people that when I try to send someone say, you know, you really should go see your chiropractor, here's somebody, they say, oh, I don't, that's five times a week, and there's, you know, you, you're just going to crack my back, and I'm like, well, no, that's not really what it is, and I think one of the, the best things about seeing someone that's, um, has the specialty in sports, um, even if you're not an athlete, so it's appealing to everybody, is that um, Dr. Calhoun has sees a person for the whole person and sees and I think that's the way to do health and wellness now mm-hmm. as opposed to what the medical model has been which is you know band-aid every single little problem instead of getting to the root and when you right. see someone like you it's going and getting the whole problem really seen and then you don't have to do it five times a week if you want to come once a week you can still people always think I have to go three times a week or I have to go all these times and it's just you know I only get to be there for 10 minutes and that's not how your practice is no they, they, you really Optimally, you don't want to have to see somebody a lot of times. Right. You want to do what you need to do to get them better and then move them on. And, and part of the reason why I enjoy specializing in kind of athletics and sports-minded people is if you, those people are looking for results, they're not looking for a continuous experience. Right. Now, that isn't to say that periodic adjustments aren't really, really helpful in your overall health, function, well-being, you know, everything. But that should be something that's not three times a week. I mean, you want to come in and get the problem straightened out, get back to your life, enjoy your life, do the exercise you need to do to fix whatever problem is lingering, and then come in periodically because that's just going to help maintain your overall wellness. Right. So. Yeah, talk about that a little bit because most people associate chiropractic with back health and uh, alleviating, alleviating pain and well, other and issues. That's, you know, people are driven by pain, right? right. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's either mental pain or physical pain, but pain's the primary driver of people's lives. Right. And, and so, so, but, but so the reality do- is people come in because they have pain. Every once in a while, someone will come in that's been a little more forward thinking and they're like, they'll, they'll come in and they say, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm, I don't feel right. And so they may not necessarily be feeling pain, but the vast majority come in for pain. But what you're trying to do is really get them to the point where they can move and do activities. And instead of having a continually contracting experience where 
they do something and it hurts, so they stop doing that thing. And then they continue on with what they're doing, and then they contract it a little bit more and do less and less and less because everything they do starts to hurt. And finally, they're sitting on the couch and they just hurt, and they wonder why. And yeah. so what we want to do is expand that. So we want to actually have them do stuff and treat them to kind of move them forward so they get out of that nonsense. But beyond the pain that we all know that chiropractic can treat, it's dealing with the main regulatory system of uh, the well, body, absolutely. right? So, so there are benefits beyond physical pain. So we treat the pain. spine. Yeah. And the reason why we treat the spine is the primary thing we're treating is the spine is the kind of the superhighway of all your neurologic processing. It's your CPU. It's connecting your brain, and it is the communication pathway. So if something's impeding your function from the spinal, spinal level, nothing is going to work right. You're not going to get the right information in. You're not going to get the right information out. And so that's where you're going to get the biggest changes because you, you change what's happening at the transfer of information from the body or to the body from the spine, and suddenly things just start working because that's where the problems are usually arising and it's a very complicated situation because you have the spine, you've got discs, you've got joints, you've got tissues around there that can get inflamed, you can, you can irritate nerves and the nerves are causing everything to happen. It's all about the nervous system. Yeah. And so, and, As to Kim. And, 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 <laughs> so, so that's why it's such a compliment to doing behavioral health work because I mean, not just, so when I see people, people, you know, I'm sure it's similar. People automatically assume chiropractor back care, right. which isn't, it's not true. It's not, it, that's just the little piece of it, which is, you know, the old school way of thinking. Right. When they think psych, right, they think crazy people. And it's just for, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get, the, you still get the stigma of that. Yeah. So, but when it's really, you look at what we really do, it's really about treating the whole, we treat the whole person from a neurological perspective. I know that we both think that way. And so we look at the person and how their whole, we just come from, he comes from the body, I come from the mind, and then I go one way, and, he, and so then we have it match. But it's very similar in how we are rewiring um, something. Uh, so if someone comes to me and they have a behavioral health issue, but they have diabetes, and they have like hemichorea, which is, you know, it's involuntary movement that comes sometimes from either, you know, neuropathy or fibromyalgia, which is a whole other story, um, or something like that, that that is medical in nature. But behavioral health wise, I treat that, but I would send someone like that with diabetes or neuropathy to someone like Dr. Calhoun because he can help rewire some of the pieces of the of that system that I'm also working on as a complement because you can actually help people with diabetes, you know, severe diabetes all the way to mild diabetes, sometimes put them into semi-remission because you get the neurological sections of their body better in motion or they don't have to rely so heavily on insulin, but they are still on it but not as high a dose. Or, so you're looking to get less is more out of the whole thing. And people don't realize that that's a huge piece. Like I have asthma and every time I get an adjustment, I feel so much better for at least three or four weeks after. If I did it more consistently, probably have it better all the time but you know right. i have to wrap myself out because i know it works because i know that when i get the adjustment within like 20 30 minutes my breathing's better and i have it under control anyway from my asthma but i always can tell a difference and it lasts me for a period of time and so i think that people don't realize that that it's not just 
for back. It's right. it, it's for all these different issues that can come up. Whether you have, you know, restless leg, um, you have different injuries in general. Uh, you have diabetes. You have coronary artery disease. You have it can move the body because it's all working through the spine and the communicator center back and forth, and it makes a difference in how you neurologically change things. Right. Although I would have to say I'm not going to treat their diabetes. No. But between diet. Right. Exercise, chiropractic adjustments to kind of maintain better neurologic functioning, get the body working better, then they can move more, they can start get these things under control and really make a difference because these things all go hand in hand right. where you start getting some sort of organ dysfunction and then you start having physiologic and physical changes that start making the whole problem worse. And so until you can get, you and, and you know, your largest driver of your hormonal processing is your musculoskeletal system because that actually has a lot to do with your physiology and your metabolism, which has a lot to do with how you're dealing with your food intake. Well, the muscular system is giving the orders to the brain, right? What right. it needs. It, it's, it sets it's, the scale for regulation. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so, so to your point that, you know, that you won't directly treat the diabetes, just like I don't directly treat the diabetes. It's about adding in the complementary piece of care that then allows and people don't realize that if you go to someone like you that you'd be able to help release the system in different ways so they'd be able to actually move better so they could have the exercise so that they could monitor things better i mean it's a huge piece i think that people miss it's like if they don't come to me they miss out yeah. on you know how to fix the problem that underlies why they're eating to create the overweight problem that doesn't get them off the couch kind of thing like if we use that as an example it's a similar kind of absolutely well and one of the other benefits is that if they're seeing dr kim and then they're seeing me we're both telling them to do the same, same thing, thing with their diet <laughs> and exercise and so we're pushing them from two sides so they'll either do it or break <laughs> all right it sounds like you two run into the same problem all the time so talk about this people work in zero sum with both of your industries they work in it's operational or it's broken Right. And no one understands the idea of maintenance or upping performance with both of your practices, right? Right. It's like, you know, I'm hurting, so I go to the chiropractor. Well, there's benefit to the chiropractor before you're hurting. And you said it's either mental illness or it's not. Well, no, maintenance and adjustment is, right. is a good part of psychology. Right. Exactly. That hopefully more and more people are seeing. Yeah, because you're looking to try to improve performance, which there again kind of falls in the reason why I kind of focus more on the athletes because the performance of them they can tell a 10% difference. Well, right. And so that can, it makes you so you kind of, you start, you start finding the limits of your body's capacity and then you start actually looking for expanding that as opposed to sitting on the couch and eating bonbons and wondering <laughs> why you're getting heavier and you can't move and you feel like crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is really a challenge to work with if that's their headset. And that's when they had to go to Dr. Kim to figure out why their headset's there because there's something broken. <laughs> There's something broken. Well, and, I, and I think, and, and Mike and I have this conversation sometimes about the fact of how do you get people motivated? Because when you have an athlete walk in the door, whether it's a kid athlete or a high-level older adult athlete, there's a certain amount of motivation that's already there that you wouldn't find in your general population of people that already, so you're going to see the observable, tangible result right away because they want to. They're measuring it themselves. They've already yeah. got that mindset. It's more of the mainstream people that we have in our practices that um, they want to feel better, but you have that, like we've talked about, you have that continuum of, and how do you get people that don't want to do the exercises? 
I mean, yeah. I give homework, he gives homework, and we both have talked about how the person will come back and be like, it didn't work. Yeah. Right. Why didn't it work? How many, you know, my question is always, well, how many times did you try? Once. Well, right. And it took you 5,000 tries to get to this point. And so one time trying it a different way isn't going to work and make you feel better. And, but that goes into, well, that, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's yep. frustrating, but yet, you know, we're, we're both, we have good constitution. We stay the course with people because we know that this is their mindset. So yep. although Mike isn't in behavioral health, he's very good at seeing that this is a behavioral health issue a lot of times that people aren't motivated unless it's a quick fix. Yeah. And that's really hard. So it's, it's a lot of pressure on you actually, cause you have to sort of give a, uh, my result is a little different. You're fresh. You have to be well, like, you have to show results. Let's go. The, the <laughs> thing that people don't realize is that if you give somebody exercise to do at home and they come in and they tell you they're doing them, but they aren't working, then you have them do them in front of you. Right. And if they can't do them, they aren't doing them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if they don't know how to do the exercises, they're clearly not doing the exercises, and that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. But the, but the problem with chiropractic is that, and you've had this experience, I've had this experience, you don't get fixed in any one particular section, but you always feel good coming out of the session. Right. Everyone walks out of the chiropractor's office going, oh, that was good. Right. That feels good. They feel better. So they feel, all i got to do is do, do this. I don't do have to do the backup exercise. I don't, I don't have to do well, the Well, that's, that's education. Yeah. You know, that's the education. Because, again, we, people come in, and to your point, 80 to 90% of the patients that come in are coming in because they've got something that's affecting their life and creating a pain of some sort that is driving them in, whether it's because they just can't take the fact they can't move around and do things with their kids or their back hurts when they move and they get and, and they roll over in bed, but something's driving them in, and so you take them from the point of what it's retracting from their from them and try to push them to expand that. And so when they walk out feeling better, and you've explained to them that's not going to last, and they need to do the exercises, and they have that experience, you've already told them the future. So you're either a futurist or <laughs> you've you've got some idea what you're doing. <laughs> so, it's, so that helps them start to get the point. But that puts them in the prescription mode. It's like I'll just come back in two weeks and it'll be fine. Well, and I don't have to do the exercises in between. That that only works for a period of time because right. you know again it goes back to moving properly and not stressing your body in ways it doesn't work correctly so if we look at say you know the average person coming in with a low back pain they might come in they feel better they go away they come back three weeks later and they keep coming back every three weeks because they keep re-injuring it so now they're in this quagmire where they feel like they every three weeks are going to have an episode and you've explained to them well by the time they grasp the fact that this is going on three months later yeah you explain to them about the quagmire that they're getting in of not actually addressing the problem and the fact that what they're doing is encouraging additional degenerative and arthritic changes for their future because they're stressing joints and literally if you're moving poorly there's only so much your body's going to put up with yep. right at some point it's going to start breaking because it can move and it can move in many directions, but it isn't necessarily supposed to all the time, time. to move the wrong way. And here's so. how chiropractic changed my life. And, and for people of a certain age, I got to a point where I was heavy and I had back issues and I couldn't turn. I didn't have good range of motion or anything like that. And finally, I just hurt myself. I was working on working on my Jeep and just the next morning had to had to basically crawl out of bed. Yep. And I was like, I got to go get this fixed. And my whole thing about weight and my whole thing about the back issues at the time was, well, <clears throat> I'm a particular age, just comes with the age. 
right? And then I went to the chiropractor, went through the whole process, came back incredibly. You know, my back, all my back problems cleared up, and I started to think, okay, maybe it's not an age thing. Maybe it's not an age thing. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not this way it's because I'm old. Maybe I'm not heavy because I'm old. I'm heavy because I don't do it right. And so right. it just changed my whole mindset, and then I lost the weight because it was like I was accepting it as an age thing. And I'm guessing a lot of the people you see come in with aches and pains and go, well, you know, I'm, I'm a certain age. I'm going to have them, right? You yeah. don't need well, to they, accept They definitely it. do. Yeah. They definitely do. But, but, you know, there's also a bit of a leading by example. Yeah. So I'm 57 years old. Yeah. So a lot of the patients that come in are kind of surprised because, you know, I got 30-year-olds that come in and they look much older than I am. Yeah. And so they start, you kind of help give them a little perspective on kind of, you know, you don't have to just give it all up. Yep. So. It, well, people have that, that mindset bias of even, I mean, same thing. I'm not telling you my age, but people, <laughs> I'm not going there. But people will think that I'm much younger and that it's hard to learn from me because I look younger. And then I will disclose my age when people do that because... Yeah. It's a lead by example thing of the bias that someone has about like, well, what would you know? You're so young. You haven't been. Ah, but no, you know, 24 years in this. And when I say that, you can see them start doing the math. It's right. just, you start changing like, oh, wait a second. That means she's got to be at least 40. <laughs> you know, like, wait a second. And so yeah. the, there's a, you know, and the person's like 37 sitting in front of me or they're 43 and yeah. saying, oh, my gosh, there's something going on here that maybe I can move on. But that mindset shifting it over is is super important and you get it's a people, different paradigm right yeah so it, because people are, you know it's socialized and we talk about you know psychologically people get so socialized into what they're supposed to be what you know this ache or pain is supposed to be it's, you know related to either your age your sedentary your job yep. you know i went to mike oh, back in I told you this. Remember, I went to see him back in like april right 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 after yeah. the pandemic started right. and i started zooming oh it was <laughs> Remember I came in, I was like, yeah. I'm Zoom neck. I could not, I was yes. like, I'm stuck. And I went one time and then he gave me a couple of things and I never had a problem since because I immediately shifted because I'm like, I do not want to feel this way right. because I was so stuck with just the Ford and the way I was sitting. Zoom neck's a big deal right now. And I got well, a lot of so, that going so, <laughs> yeah. so, cause it, you know, I ended up investing in a camera that was wider so I could move around because I was sitting for 12, 10 and 12 hours a day that first couple of weeks. And I called him like, I'm stuck. My neck is stuck. And I was, you know, running yeah. and doing everything, training still for the marathon. I'm like, I can't move. <laughs> He's like, you have Zoom neck. So oh, so yeah. you have tons of Zoom necks still, right? Lots of okay, so people, what are we doing for Zoom neck? So half of it is figuring out, I mean, most people that work in an office environment, they were working in an office environment that, you know, a lot of times they've had the ergonomic professionals come in and they're sitting in front of their keyboard and they're sitting up properly and they've got a screen in front of them and they've got their keyboard and mouse down. And so they're able to sit there and they're not holding their head forward. Yeah. They're not, you know, looking down at their hands to work on a laptop. And so they're doing that 90% of the time. And then they, on the weekends, they might do, you know, 20 minutes of rec returning emails on a laptop. And then suddenly they go from that environment to spending... 90% of their time or 100% of their time on a laptop, yeah. looking down at their hands. And the screens aren't really big because they didn't need a big screen when they were answering emails, so they just stick on their readers. So now they've got their readers on and they're looking at this little laptop screen and they're putting heads forward like this, <laughs> and they start creating a huge problem because their ergonomics are just disastrous. And so you just explain to them when they come in about the fact, fix your ergonomics, get a screen in front of you, get a keyboard and mouse. What do you spend, 150 bucks? I mean, yeah. that's not a big yeah, deal yeah. in the grand yeah. scheme of things. And then you can sit in a workstation 
and get it get it so when you go to your house and you're going to work that you've got the place that you go that that's what you're doing even if it's in your dining room table set it up so it's ergonomically correct and actually be that's the place you're working now don't make it so that you're on the couch doing it with you're the kids stuck. running around and you're distracted yeah. and you're getting nothing done and you're sitting there staring down at a laptop and you get up and you wonder why your back and neck hurt I mean, unless you want to come in and see me, but I'm going to tell you not to do that. <laughs> well, I think that that's, I mean, this is so timely because kids are getting ready to go back to school. And what I've been dealing with the past, at least, you know, the end of the school year, last semester, and then coming in is, you know, the school systems are now, and I've consulted on this saying, you know, we don't want kids laying in bed while they're in class on Zoom. We don't want them doing this. And I've been telling parents, you cannot have your kids do their Zoom classes in their bedrooms because they're all laying in bed. They don't get up. You have to, you, because one, yeah. obviously that's a bad idea for a lot of reasons that they would see me, but then this is another issue. I mean, just for that short period of time that I was having the problem, I was having wicked headache in, through my jaw, and I knew, I mean, I've been around and done this enough, I knew what the problem was. Right. And he could fix to get me back up to get it set, but but you've got so many issues you don't realize, and you could just have someone like Dr. Calhoun see you to be able to say, okay, here's what you really need to do, because people aren't thinking that this is causing the problem. They're thinking, well, they're not thinking. It's <laughs> definitely a new experience, and I mean, even in my own house, we, I have to set up with my kids. I'm going to have to get them some screens and and, lap, and 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 things so they can plug their laptop in because they really do need to be able to sit and have a station that actually is set up for them to do this kind of stuff because that's what they're doing. Yes. I mean, so now instead of having a problem from carrying a backpack all the time, they've got a problem <laughs> staring yeah. down at their little like, keypads yeah. all the time. Yeah. And your youngest daughter, you need a move, moving camera so that she can do all, she's cartwheeling and dancing yes. the whole time. <laughs> so his little, his little one I, needs like a constantly moving. Which, what's that one that automatically just cracks I you? Know. I get one of those for she, She's dancing the whole time. Yeah, the, I can just see the teacher on the other end being like, could she just sit down? <laughs> the whole back thing, backpack thing is huge. If you, you go around to school and you start picking up backpacks and what the weight these kids are carrying. It's, especially relative to their body weight. Yeah, it's it it really is kind yeah. of frightening. I mean, because yeah. you you think about it, and you know the average, you know, kindergartner is carrying in a twenty five pound backpack, and they weigh what sixty five forty five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Might they're be. carrying fifty percent of their body weight on their back, yeah. and we wonder why they start walking around with their head jutted forward, and then so we hand them an iPhone because. That's, That's the it. thing to do. And so now they're looking down all the time, and they're, yeah. and then their parents wonder why they're growing a horn out of the back of their head. The, <laughs> clearly they're not growing a horn out of the back of their head, but you know what I mean. They get their heads forward all the time, and so they're creating a problem, and they're young enough that they don't have any arthritic changes or occlusion of the, or of the, of the nerves, so they're not getting necessarily anything other than a mild discomfort. But what's coming in the future is horrible. But they're also, they're more uh, they're more green, green, to use a phrase. So they're also setting stature and... and exactly. You know, it, it's hitting them much harder. They can't get out of that because that's they, they're growing up and, ex, and they're putting that They're growing up in a poor, poor position, yeah, and so they're going to be stuck there. All yes. right. So you really, that's, that's something parents just need to be aware of and try to fix with these kids because it is it is a huge issue. All right, so are you diagnosing 24-7? In other words, are you looking at people, seeing shoe wear, seeing hip can't angles, can't stuff like that, and saying, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't help it. I mean, you go to a restaurant and you look around and you're like, you know, you just shake your head sometimes. Yeah. 
Same. I do the same thing. No, I, 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 I know what you're I doing. Am a what she sees guy. is really frightening, I'd imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to shut that off because it's constantly going in my head. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a lot going on there. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even have to ask you. I know you. I know you do it. <laughs> I would too if I were in the profession. When people ask me that, I say I'm off the clock. But in my head, I'm not off the clock. <laughs> I sit there and I just look at shoe wear. I just look at people and go, God, what's going on there? You know, yeah. just, I mean, that the stride is so important to all of this, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The way they walk, the way their, their, their foot position is, whether or not they're pronating, which is always a problem because, you know, most footwear has no support in it. So they end up with their feet not moving properly, which changes their whole gait cycle, which causes problems with their hips and lower back and their posture. And, you know, then you add in, as we talked about, the phone and the backpacks and the, you know, it's just, it's this never ending cascade of reasons that are completely inappropriate for the way we're actually physiologically built. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're built, built to look at the horizon. We're built to walk and actually be able to feel what's underneath our feet and have our feet actually accommodate to what we're walking on. And none of that actually is going on anymore. So that's a real thing. Yeah. Barefoot is a real thing. It is. It yeah. is. The problem with, with that is that people get into the whole barefoot aspect of like barefoot running and things like that and they get into it after their feet have already gotten so dysfunctional that they're just not going to because you can't re-tighten up ligaments Mm -hmm. so if your foot is lost and it's in in it's pronated and its ligaments have been stretched out and the foot's splayed down you're not going to bring it back and so if you start barefoot running you might enjoy the experience for a little while your feet may get a little bit stronger but something's going to break because it's not supported so you really need that those that is something that needs to be fixed very, very early in the process of actually just moving. That's why, you know, when you have kids and babies, they should be walking around without shoes on, walking on the ground, on their feet. Yeah, and that this is the difference between walking or running on sidewalks and pavement as opposed to doing cross-country or, you know, I'm on the beach a lot. And right. it's like, beach is killer. You know, it's just, it just takes so much out of you. It it's absolutely does. You need that much, more much, much stronger on yeah. things like it be a, a beach or dirt or grass or things like that because... You're stepping on it, you're moving, your feet are adjusting to it, they're, they're accommodating to it and getting stronger, which is, that's a good thing. Yeah. But it is, it is definitely something that you can't do, you can't in your 40s read a book on barefoot running, take your shoes off and start running like that and not expect something's going to have a problem. Right. So. I, I mean, I, and I see more and more in the past five years, because I hike too to do training, and I see more and more people younger, not, I wouldn't say, you know, 60, 70 year olds, but you know, you know, 20, 30 somethings running, running up and down Monadnock in Mount Washington barefooted now. And wow. it's quite something cause I wouldn't do that because yeah. I didn't do the early on work. Right. I mean, I did gymnastics, but you know, and I was always in bare feet, but still that's not quite the same thing as being out on the road doing that. I, I imagine pavement stride is very niche. It's very, it's muscle memory. You're doing yeah. it. It's, you've got a constant footing, so you can do it in a very small window where if you're doing cross country, just running in fields and things, you have to adjust for just landing adjustments and things like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. When, and you're anticipating as a runner, like you're always anticipating when in your shoes, your shoes take a lot of the stress of like if you hit a little divot and all that, when you're in your bare feet, I mean, there's a definite difference if you hit something and roll an ankle, you don't have the same, like you just don't anticipate that. So, because I've done that and learned the lesson because of exactly what he's saying is that it's just uh, very different if you haven't been used to it, adjusting out from the shoe to whatever, or, you know, footwear in general, flip-flops. 
he's yelled at me for flip-flops before. <laughs> Stop wearing they flip-flops. Yeah. Yes, he, you know, and so now I have my Ufus on because Ufus are like a really great support shoe, but they're flip-flops so that I don't have to always be in shoes. But to the support reason, because six years ago, and no one had said this to me, I probably could have figured it out, but I never would have unless he looked at me when you were first treating me and said, you stand like a gymnast. <laughs> Do you remember saying that to me? You're like, you stand like a gymnast. You're you're messing up this, and you're. I'm like, and I couldn't. You and every time. Wait, wait a me, second. Like, how does stop it, standing like that? How does a gymnast stand? What, what's what's the difference between a gymnast and a normal person? <laughs> Go ahead, explain how I would stand. <laughs> they usually stand with their back slightly hyperextended and their chest up, just like they just finished Finish. their routine. Yeah. Always up here. Like and, they stuck the landing. Huh? Yeah. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, and my and, foot positioning too. And he was like, "You stand just like a gymnast. Stop doing that." And I'm like, "I can't help it. I can't help it." And, yeah. and, and it was and it was actually um, making a, a problem for my shin and my Achilles because of the way I was standing because my weight was thrown off of my hip yeah. on that side. And so I am a testament to knowing that the posture thing is huge. I just sent a client to him recently that has a posture issue. She's a sloucher. And she's got a little S-curve from the little scoliosis, but it hasn't been helped because she's done this right. most of her life. And, and I'm like, and it's in impacting her mental health because she feels self-conscious about the fact that uh, she's always like this. Yeah. Well, and you can attribute to the fact that if someone has that posture, when they're approached, they're approached by someone that's going to be a different experience right. because they already, their brain, whether they know it or not, is reading this person's do something wrong. Right. And, right, and they're off, and, right? Yeah. They're self-conscious. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, you see it. And well, you don't even know why, but you, it is right, there. It's, it's, it's a feeder off of, like, self-confidence. You know, the difference between yeah. someone up here in the posture it, mentally and, and the way that they come across versus down here. You know, I mean, I have clients that, I've, that I have that have, this is going to be a weird topic, but they have very large breasts. Yeah. And that makes their hunch, you know, and not only because they're heavy, but because you know, socialized, and a lot of them have been socialized that, you know, cover them up, don't let anyone see right. them, it's bringing attention. And I'm of the mind always to say, listen, you got what you got, don't do that because you're going to give yourself a backache. And right. But so I'm trying to fix the the physical while I'm saying, okay, it's now causing a confidence issue where you're always like this. And so when people first see you, they think that you're afraid and cautious. And right. so it's all these pieces and, and people so, don't realize that. We're so fragile about that. You just see a particular picture of yourself at a certain angle that, that shows the hunch or shows whatever it is you're self-conscious about or you're walking by right. uh, glass in a storefront or something and you just get a quick reflection and it can change your whole mindset about yourself. Yes. Yeah, it, it can drop your self-confidence like that if you see that and think, oh, my gosh. Especially with all these pictures these days. You're on Facebook, you get tagged, and they go, oh, my God, I look, you know, my thighs are fat or, or Maybe something. that'll be a better impetus for people to have better posture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's you why can just start doing that. You could go around and just take pictures of people on their, on their profile and show it to them and just start shaming people about their posture. <laughs> <laughs> so, but wouldn't you say, though, that so having chiropractic care for people in general is is good for self-esteem because so i know that it does it for from my end which i'll talk about in a second but chiropractic care in general for anybody even if you're not in pain yeah it, it's just it's reducing stress in the nervous system right which is kind of like taking the static out of the radio it's suddenly things are more clear so even if you don't have a significant problem you reduce that irritation in the nervous system and the information is flowing more freely your energy level comes up you actually do improve your senses because things are processing more easily. Yeah. It's 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 not that complicated other than the fact that people get 
kind of poo-poo about it because we're so used to this um, concept that you either have a disease or you're healthy. But the reality is there is a very long continuum between being healthy and being with a diagnosed disease. And early in that continuum is when all of the actual magic can happen as far as reversing conditions and improving health and stopping yep. problems from progressing. All of the stuff that you really would love to do is all happening before you're actually getting a diagnosis of a disease. Because when you can name it, now it gets to be yours. Which yeah. can, it doesn't mean you can't take, get rid of it, but people yeah. look to have something they can say, well, I have this. Yes. And Kim can talk about the reason why <laughs> they want to have something they can name because now they have an excuse. I'm not going to ask Kim how many people are walking around mentally healthy, but I'll ask you how many people, <laughs> how many people are walking around perfectly aligned. Oh, very few. Yeah. Honestly. I Almost zero percent. Because, you know, and, and half the time their bodies straighten out one area and then something else will shift around. I mean, we're, we're a dynamic species. We have what's called homeostasis, which means the body's always self-regulating. It's a time to adapt to your environment and function and become whatever you're asking it to be. And we're and, talking middle schoolers, we're talking high schools, we're talking teenagers. I mean, absolutely. the problems start early, don't they? Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. It was kind of funny, actually, when... Uh, I was in chiropractic school. One of the guys that uh, was in school with us, we went over to his apartment one night, and he's, he's like, hey, my dad sent this video of me when I was five. I have to, I think you need to see this. And he had a video of him when he was five, and you could see when he had actually injured his lower back. Wow. Because he was he tried to move this wheelbarrow, and all of a sudden he grabbed his back. Okay. And we're like, oh, well, there, there, there you go, is. Jim. Five there's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was fascinating to, to see and to recognize. Yeah, it absolutely happens very early, and it's about the way, you know, you want to help your kids move better and, and, and do things correctly. But the, first you have to understand what that means. And many people don't know how to move well from their start. They don't even know how to bend without bending at their back instead of their hips. And right. I mean, there's all these things about, about movement dynamics that you need people, if they had the information and they could help their kids understand, they could reduce the issues they might have in the future. People underestimate the kinetic chain because, you know, I write baseball a lot and I'm talking pitches all the time. You get a particular, anything that goes wrong is going to disrupt the kinetic chain and could lead to major problems because you just compensate. Right. When he hurt himself as a five-year-old, for a couple of weeks he compensated. Yep. And sometimes that becomes permanent compensation, right? right. You got it. Yeah. You should be sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what he I was is a I told you. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the other nuanced part of this, I think, is sleep. I, I think chiropractic and sleep is something that's underrated. As far as being able to sleep better? Being able to sleep better, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that goes back to the whole neurologic irritation and, and noise. I mean, it, imagine if every time you turned on the radio, there was this moderate static sound that you're listening to all the time. It just would kind of be like, fingernails on a chalkboard yep. it just is irritating enough that it's going to keep you from being able to relax if you remove that then it becomes a better experience and for people when their nervous system is kind of reduced in that no background noise of irritation going on then the body can actually settle down and rest and that makes a big difference yep. and that's when they you know they sleep better People get, you know, it's frequently, you, people will get up off the table and immediately report that they have all these different perceptions. They can, things seem like they're a little brighter when they stand up and they can hear a little bit better. And, yeah. and all of this is actually, you can, it's been shown over and over again. And part of that's just because when you move the joints in the spine, 
you're actually changing the input into the brain and you're kind of lighting up the system and making putting putting more stimulation into it which is a big impetus for more activity because the brain actually runs off a certain level of activity which is one of the reasons why sedentary postures for extended periods of time make people duller as far as their perception their yeah. function their 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 capacity um, so that all kind of plays into it, but as far as, you know, you reduce the stress in the nervous system, they sleep better. So, so a few shows back, we talked, and probably back a few shows more than that, but we talked about how I said that, you know, the brain is like a car battery, and you always have to keep it charged. You know, you always are having to do that. And so in terms of sleep, and, and this is, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, sleep, all the pieces that go to making it really healthy and functional from, from the side I come from is when you do good chiropractic care or you do the exercise that would come along with it or anything you're you know behavioral health would we have a polyvagal nerve that's the nerve so a lot of times when dr calhoun's doing adjustments it's adjusting the polyvagal nerve now why does that mean anything well for everyone that's listening very technical but what it is is it's the regulatory system for the emotional health center so when you talk mm -hmm. about sleep when you do a really good adjustment and you're consistent and you're doing exercise and all that stuff it's actually releasing dopamine in the brain your pleasure center and so it's rewiring that so if you're doing that it will release enough dopamine norepinephrine and serotonin and all the mood regulators to allow a calmness right. to come over you to be able to sleep better because that kind of care contributes to that so if you're not doing the behavioral health work like a breathing technique and all that stuff and you do just chiropractic care and you have a sleep issue that's by nature going to regulate that that nerve that's on the chain to allow that to happen without me doing anything because someone's just doing that plus it's, i'm getting right. if you can improve your sleep i'm guessing that the uh, regeneration work that the body's supposed to be doing while you're sleeping is more efficient and, and it's better yeah. yeah, well, you would, you know, no one's researched that, but the probability is obviously, yeah. you know, if you reduce the irritation, you improve the functioning, then think the body can do what it's supposed to do better. Right, and that, and so. that's the whole goal is to, you know, why I I like an alternative to medical model is because these are ways to do it without actually having to put a substance in the body that's changing your brain. Yeah. You can do it on your own. And I think people need a better sense of self-control versus an external thing. We talk about this all the time. Going somewhere else to get something to put in your body versus getting taught how to do something or having quick adjustments made so that you can, you can function right. better. Um, so what do you think is the toughest thing that you see come in in terms of movement and change to get people going? Oh, I put him on the spot. Yeah, Look did. at that. Um, oh. <laughs> the toughest thing. Yeah. Well... I think it's the chronic pain people. Okay. because people with chronic pain are the ones that, as I talked earlier about, about continuous retraction of activities to try to accommodate with their pain-free experience. And so they get to a point where they finally, and those, those people that are in that mindset get to the point where they're pretty far down the road when, when they get in many times for any kind of treatment. And so frequently those are ones that are going to land either in your office or in my office because they have now depression. They have, you know, usually type 2 diabetes. They're usually becoming obese if they aren't already obese. And they've got chronic pain. And you've got a person that is, they've really kind of gone down the swirl of the toilet bowl to the point where they're, you know, starting to think, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Right. And you can unwind a lot of it. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's, it's challenging. And they have to kind of get their mindset and start changing. And that's when a lot of times when this co-treatment kind of is effective because you have to get them to the point to recognize that one 
pain, although it's an indicator, isn't always going to be something that you can't move through. So especially chronic pain patients, many times they have to experience some pain in appropriate movement patterns to get rid of their pain. And then eventually they stop having pain. And it's not, we're not calling it severe pain, but sometimes if you're that dysfunctional, just moving is uncomfortable. And so you just kind of have to go through the process to move yourself in the direction so you can slowly come out of this experience, which yep. is, it's arduous. Yeah. And challenging and frustrating and, you know, all of this stuff. Yeah, you have to have that extra little bit of motivation, like we talk about, to really be staying the course. And so do you find that a lot of people that come with that type of issue are more... Um, uh, likely to have a harder time getting healthier because they're more reliant on like you know something opiated or something like you know they've been giving yeah. I mean like like we've talked about this that but I we haven't gone into detail but I would imagine that's there that you come you, a person comes and they've got you know four meds on board that are all sort of getting in the way of the process right. because it's easier to rely on that and so do you manage that like how do you well one of the beautiful things about chiropractic care is as you said earlier many times you leave and you start feeling better yeah and so you if you can get them to the point when they start feeling better after their visits then you encourage them to expand their activity on that platform as opposed to starting and being unable to move yep and you and as soon as they can start moving and their inflammatory response isn't at a level where it's really making it pro uh, the process difficult then you start encouraging them, take less. Take less of the, of the opiates, take less of the anti-inflammatories, start unwinding the process. I know they can't stop instantaneously, yeah. but yeah, you can slowly decrease that load and let your body start to function. And honestly, as you know very, very clearly, half the problem these people get on is when they get all these medications on board, they're interacting in ways that we don't really even have. There's right. no research to understand at this point. Right. We don't know what's going on, but we know that their liver is stressed to the max. Yes. Right. And so just the Diet Coke they're drinking is probably putting enough stress on their system that it's making the problem even worse. worse. Yep. Right. And so they got to clean up. I ran diet. into that with ibupes. I was just using ibupes to the point, just dulling pain on, right. on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden your liver will say, uh, no. Right. Yeah, you got to stop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, your liver, it, 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 it's, you know, liver function is kind of like a glass of water, right? Once it's yeah. full, then it just starts spilling out yeah, and right. it's the best it can do. And so you have to try to detoxify and half it is eat better foods, fix your diet, drink more water, you know, let the body actually move. do what it was made to do move. as opposed to, yep. yeah, and move, absolutely. <laughs> Um, as opposed to this, you know, eating this crap food and wondering why you feel like what you're eating. Well, I probably had the typical things that got me into a chiropractor. I walked a lot. That was a big part of my routine, and it got painful. And I noticed when I was driving, when I'm trying to back up, I can't turn around. Yep. You know, it's just like my range of motion was limited and getting out of bed in the morning. It was just like, this is nuts. Yeah. It, it took you a half an hour, 40 minutes to get your body going. Right. Again. Right. And I'm guessing those are signs that everybody should look at. Say if you're, well, if you're having that experience, you yeah. should have seen a chiropractor a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you really do need to start looking at your life and figuring out how you got to that point because our bodies are made to move. I mean, there are plenty of examples of people into their 90s 
really, really active in doing things. And granted, people have disabilities and injuries right. that will prevent activities. Right. But there are also people out there that are in in their upper ages that are paraplegics and quadriplegics that are still doing things because they just have a different mindset. It's not that they're given a better set of circumstances. Right. Yep. And so if you have a good set of circumstances and you just throw it away, then it's really on you. You got to well, I think that Move. the mindset piece to that, and I think we deal with this all the time, is that people get, going back to the top of the show, people get into this mode of, well, this is what I have and therefore, because it becomes easier. You know, people, you know, they know what they know. They would rather dance with the devil that they know yeah, and plus, the one that they don't. It's, you know, well, I have this issue, so therefore I can't. Yeah, plus it's a the frog in the water type of thing. Right. You get to that point very slowly. You don't, uh, unless, you know, you try to get up in bed one morning and you can't. Right. Then everybody runs into the chiropractor. But that range of motion while you're driving or that little bit of irritation while you're walking, usually it happens slowly. You just become accustomed to it. You just, you know. Unfortunately, that yeah. is very true. Right. Yeah. That, and and so that and that's one of the reasons why being more holistically minded in your concept of what your overall health and caring should be, because that kind of a experience for someone that was coming in and getting, you know, a wellness kind of treatment, even every six months, yep. it would have been picked up. Yep. You know, the chiropractor would have been to go down and you look at their lower back. You're like, you know, your pelvis has been is is off. Your leg is once short on one side. You're clearly, you clearly things are things are wrong. Oh yeah, that hurts every time I walk. Oh, well, let's check your hips, and you yeah. see your hip range of motion is limited. Oh well, here's the problem. You you know your glutes are getting weak because you're sitting on them all day, and yep. now you're losing the ability to keep your hip in the right position, and it's irritating things, and it's making it so you're, you're walking. And so that's where coming in for wellness care can be truly beneficial, just in the respect that now you're bringing in someone that's going to have a little different perspective and that picks stuff up that you didn't necessarily know was going to be available. All right, um, let's talk about professional sports for a minute. Because is chiropractic a bigger part of professional sports than I think it is? Because I came to it as a teenager playing hockey, and I don't understand how you play a hockey game at the professional level or high college level or any kind of high level. You should be get treatment afterwards. You play football, you should be treated afterwards. Yeah, You're and, a and pitcher, you should be treated after you, you start. It's, almost all of the professional teams have somebody yeah. either on staff Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole slew of, of you know, in, in these in the professional level arena and most of the athletics, they have their training and medical teams, but most of these athletes have their own team. Mm-hmm. They right. have the people like, I mean, there's some pretty famous cases where some some professional football players would actually bring their chiropractor along with them and just put them in a hotel every place they sure. went yeah. because that was the way they worked with it. But they have their own team of professionals that are looking out for them many times. And there's certainly the guys that are on the team, and they're doing the best they can. But, you know, I've talked yep. to some of the guys that are, like, working with t- professional teams. And, you know, they'll be there before practice, and they got 35 football players lined up that they they have to work on for that day. Yeah. And that's there a challenge. There should be 60. Because <laughs> there's only so many people you can see and do a good job, yeah. right? And so... That's where having, you know, you can't have a, the professional teams can't have an entire rack of right. people for right. all the, to, to do that kind of clustering. So these guys all have people, but yeah, almost all of the professionals are doing it because they're right. starting to get the message. And I mean, yeah. Tom Brady was really, really good about the fact that he started promoting the fact that there's another way. Right. You don't have to just fall apart. Now, I wouldn't necessarily agree with every single thing he said, but 
he definitely knew ways to keep him as a football player working and functioning yeah, right. at a level that is way beyond anybody has in that age range. You play high-level hockey, you play high-level football, you're in a car accident every game. Yes. You, Basically, yes. I don't understand why every athlete, every day, after every game, doesn't see a chiropractor. Well, and I, I think I, a you lot just of the don't hear about do. it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing to recognize, though, is, you know, if you say, if, to your point, like a car accident, if you get in a car accident and you're a sedentary and already have some pre-existing conditions, you're going to walk out of the car accident with a much bigger level of injury than if you were a high-level athlete because that car accident to them is it's is nothing. is well yeah it's almost a it's, nothing it's, it's like, like oh, you know it's, it's like a daily one. workout yeah right. <laughs> well we have a client that we share that literally that's he he talks like that i think every sunday he would call us and say okay we have to reset right yep. it would be every sunday he'd be like because the game would be on saturday we get the call on sunday he'd be like okay i broke my finger i can't move <laughs> my neck yeah i feel like crap i and so it yeah. And he would say, I've been in a car accident again. And I think he would constantly use that terminology because it is that it way. It definitely and, is the same forces. And so the so I agree with you that it's the same thing for me. So the teams have like a professional staff. Mm -hmm. But actually, so the way I work with professional athletes is they come to me as an individual because of what you just said is that they can't see 35 right. people right after a game or during the week. So what happens is I... I through the word of mouth and people knowing us, we get the professional athletes that reach out and say, hey, will you go? So I go to events and you go to events and we go as the additional side that we're working individually as a private practitioner with that right. person that we're there on because people, most pro athletes have a sports psychology person, sure. a chiropractor, a PT person, a massage yeah. therapist. I travel sometimes when I'm doing runs with a massage person because I know I need that beforehand. And they provide them at all the races, but I'm not giving up my time because well, it's like I'm not doing that. Yeah. If you're on a professional team, the other aspect of it is if you're the chiropractor or any of the sports professionals and you're working for the team yeah. and the guy comes in and you mm -hmm. see something, yeah. he may not necessarily really want the owner to know that. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and and he may have different ways he's going to approach you, like we talked about. Like some, some the you know, things, different procedures are not always accepted by different teams in the way right. they work. And so he may want to have, say, arp wave done on a treatment for something, and the team doesn't agree with that, and they don't, they won't do that, but won't, and and they start trying to track him in a different direction, and so that that's yep. not what they want because they're professionals, right. and they may not be with that team next year. Right. Yep. Plus, so, it's just the basics of can he play, can he not play. Right. right. You know. A, right. And they provide. A player basic, wants his own advocate. Right. Wants someone who's you want looking, looking after him. after yeah. you. Yeah. And and like when you go into the office, you want somebody that's looking at you. Not the 15 guys standing behind you. Or or the bottom line of you having, as a clinician, having to then report back. Because as, when you're working as the team, although there's the HIPAA laws, it's still not, it's kind of like being in a school system. It's confidential, but you still have to report back what's going on with the kid. You still have to report back what's going on with the athlete. Whereas when you have a private practitioner, it doesn't work like that. So there's much more privacy about getting your treatment that way. So you can still get on the team, but you have this the side right. expertise of there's someone no, that you know and trust. There's no HIPAA. Oh, it's restriction it, between is. a team physician and the team. I don't know how much of that is waived yeah. when you're yeah. going to the team treatment doctors because there's a, there's also the aspect yeah. of medical care needs to be more cohesive. And when you've got athletic trainers and massage people, and you've got PTs chiropractors and the PTs right. and the and the and the physicians, you want a team that works together. 
So they're all and sharing. so they're right. sharing information. So there's a lot of times these guys are signing waivers as far as the um, in medical information being passed to other professionals. So yes, yeah. it's it's. And that's why people I, are right. people are going to get the information that you may not want to have the information. Which is why it's good for like in my <clears> business why people like to see me outside of the team stuff is because yep. the HIPAA is solid and there's no like I don't know who you're talking about I don't know anything about them I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone says Do you know so and so I have no idea what you're talking about. Whereas in a team it's everybody knows that you know them because everyone sees you with them everyone you're it's there and they assume right. if they're walking into your door. Especially in my business, they're like, "What's wrong? Right? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with their head? Are they going to mess up today? Yeah, there's a stigma, yeah, there's a stigma right? So they're coming in the are like, "Why yeah. is he going in to see her? What's going on? Is right. he messed up? Is he going to choke at the game today?" Right. Which I mean, I deal with that all the time over the past, you know, twenty something years of people being like, "Did he just go in there? Or did he, you know?" So it's it's nice that you have the privacy. That's why I have my other private office so that people don't know. But I, I was asking about chiropractic in a sense because you don't hear about it a lot and you even hear a little bit more about sports psychologists right. these days. It's almost like, and you guys talked about it early, both of your professions have dealt with uh, stigma is probably too strong a word, but you know, it's there. People think things what they think about it. It almost seems like uh, sports psychology has made more inroads into that than chiropractic has. I don't think it's that. I think that when you get to that level of athletics, like say at the Olympic level, the medical director, the Olympic of the, of the medical of the medical director for the American Olympic system, is a chiropractor. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, this the stigmatism in that level of arena is dramatically reduced. Yeah. Yeah. And the training that you go through as far as getting to that level and working with those athletes, a lot of that stuff has gone way past. I mean, no one cares. Yep. They just want the people to get better. And so you don't hear about it because it isn't, nobody actually, they don't even really think about it as being a big deal. I mean, they don't talk about the PTs, but the PTs are there too. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it's not that, they, I mean, they've been there the whole time. Yep. And so a lot of the stigmatism is not that it's still there and it's being it's not being talked about as much as it is that it's there and they're like they don't realize it's even that big of a deal. Right. Just that is what it is. Alignment isn't as big a headline as you know right. surgery. Right. Right. So well, yeah, so sure. the general I mean, public doesn't getting know an adjustment much. is certainly not the same thing as getting an ACL yeah. replacement. I mean that's not going to make the paper, so the fans don't care about it, so the general population right. doesn't know what's going on with your profession as opposed to a surgeon right. attached to a team or something. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's, you know, the, the, the inroads there have been made. And the primary driver is that has been the athletes. So. So, okay. So, final questions. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm, Uh-oh. Is this like Jeopardy? I know, right? Jeopardy music? So, so, if you could give, you're on the hot seat now. If you could give one really good tip to everybody that could be useful today for something for feeling good, your body that would make you also feel good mentally. I don't know if you can do that, but I imagine you can. What would that be? Can I give you two? Oh, you can give me two. Sure. <laughs> I can give you two. Yes. The first one is to hold your head up. Up here. So, because the use of a Stand like a gymnast. is almost completely <laughs> continuous with our, our society, people hold their head down or they work on a laptop and their head comes forward and down. And then instead of picking their head up, they just tip it up. Yeah. Oh. And that's giving the suboccipital headaches and increasing the strain on their upper back and stressing their neck. If they just pick their head up, that's half of their battle. Okay. The second thing yeah. is if they're sitting in a work environment, download stand-up. It's a free app. 
I have nothing to do with this app. <laughs> Download, stand up, and set it so every 15 minutes you take a micro break. You just basically stop, stand up, and then sit back down. It takes 15 seconds. You activate every system in your body by doing it. You maintain better active status of your entire physiology, and your posture is improved, and your energy level will be improved. Hence, better functioning. Better function. All right, I can't let us get out because you just touched on a very important subject that I want to delve into a little bit. Oh, boy. <laughs> People with headaches and migraines and dealing with what you, you deal with, that's another nuanced part of your practice that I don't think, that I pe think people underestimate. Uh, yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I think people do some really, really crazy things before they see the chiropractor. Yeah. You know, they'll be, they'll be getting injection procedures done before they see, get an adjustment, which is yeah. insane. But, but frequent headaches, migraines can all headaches, be... Headaches, migraines, the frequency of it being from the suboccipital muscles, the base of your skull, the muscles where you're back, uh, that are back here, from postural distortions, is very, very high. And so by doing things to release the muscles and get the joints moving at the base of your skull makes an enormous difference. And the vast majority of headaches will either improve or go away. And many times patients come in and, you know, I've had patients that come in that are daily migraine sufferers and you add, talk to them about the triggers of their migraines and they don't even know yeah. because they have one every day, all day. And they just try, and they're taking four drugs to deal with it. Mm. And you start reducing the musculoskeletal irritation, which is a huge trigger for this kind of stuff. And suddenly now they're down to having headaches once a month and it's associated with their menstrual cycle. Right. And you're like, okay, well, that makes a little more yep. sense. We can deal with that. So that's a hormonal issue that's affecting it. And so you start unwinding some of this so they actually aren't in this just continuous sea of discomfort and pain and actually get it so you can really bring it down. And then a lot of people, it's just, it's stress and it's a chronic issue of their posture and the way they're holding themselves and just taking simple changes as far as holding their head up, yep. fixing their posture, getting some adjustments to get things loosened up and moving better, and suddenly the problem can unwind and go away. Are those adjustments a neck crack? I hate the neck crack. Well, hate the you can crack. do it a lot of different ways, right? <laughs> yeah. there, are, there are adjusting instruments that yeah. can put a little impulse into the joint. Yeah. And they're very effective as well, especially in the cervical spine. You're talking about areas where the joints are, they're very small joints and the nuance of motion is, is, is significant. And so most of the time when you get those kind of joints and you're doing a, even a manual adjustment, it's not really that dramatic. Yeah. Is that, that the tapper? Pardon me? Is that the tapper we're talking about? The tapper. Well, there's, a, there's about there's several, 20 yeah, different yeah. types of different impulse adjustment instruments that put a little impulse of energy into that, that area to get it to release, to move. And for many people, it's, it's a much more comfortable way to get adjustment. Other people do better with the manual adjustments. And none of them are, should be, I mean, if you're, you know, going in, your head's getting spun around like you went to the exorcist. <laughs> That's then a problem. You're, then, you're, then you may have a problem with the clinician. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I trust her, and she's good. It's but, all but worked, from, but it's just when but, it comes to that, I start to tense up a little bit. Well, absolutely, yeah. and whatever treatment is performed, it has to be the treatment that your body's going to accept, right? So people have a different force load or stimulation that's going to be effective for them, and sometimes a very small force is plenty. To, it's more than they need. Whereas some people need to be, you know, a large force to make any changes. It's just the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> and so it yeah. really just depends on the person. So you try to find what's going to work for them. Yeah. It's okay, Lou. So. I have a problem with that too. I, he, he is very good at being like, 
he freaks he fakes me out so that I don't know what's yeah. coming. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, she's good at that. I've got a. He, my... he talks to me and I'm like, I know it's coming, but I don't know when. And then all of a sudden it happens and it's over. I'm like, oh thank God. Uh, my chiropractor, she's 97 pounds and she kicks my ass every time I go in, and it's a good thing though because right. it, it, it always works. Um, okay, so we have to come to the end of the show, but would you come back? Because clearly, I'm sure I can't see the uh, screen today, but I imagine I'm going to have a whole bunch of questions and sure. people, yep. um, but I'd love to have you back because sure. this is great. And I'm sure people will be calling in after. Um, where are you located? So that if people want to come see you, which I think they all should. I'm in North Andover on Route 114 across the street from Bertucci's and mm -hmm. Merrimack College, kind of on that corner building. Excellent. And what's the phone number if someone wants to call you? It's 978 Six eight one four five zero zero. Awesome, and thank you very much for coming today. And it was oh, awesome. Thank this you. is it was great. A lot of fun. And um, so all my listeners, I just did a new newsletter that's very new. Did you put that up on my link? Is on the page. You can go uh, sign up for the newsletter. Excellent. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, Kim, Dr. Kim Lannon's monthly newsletter. It came out yesterday, and mm -hmm. it'll be featuring i think you're on it i think i am i think you are <laughs> and um well, i know you are so um but if you'd like to sign up please go to your daily game face um on facebook and sign up and you will get it and also any tips that come through in the month you also get those and if you um need to get a hold of me certainly come to the facebook page you can listen to all of my prior podcasts on all your favorite podcast channels right. and and uh, yeah everybody have a great week and thank you so much again for coming thank you awesome